What's up, everybody? On this episode of The Boss's Key Party, we are joined by Christian Avery, the North American Product Manager at Blizzard Technica, to discuss the new generation of the Blizzard Freeride series, the Rustler and Shiva. Since their introduction in 2017, the men's ski, the Rustler, and the women's ski, the Shiva, have gradually become favorites in the all-mountain freeride category. And with the new construction, Blizzard just looks to build on the success of these skis. George and I were lucky enough to take part in the development of the revamped series. From testing early prototypes and providing feedback to just recently getting our very first few days on the finished product. And let me tell you guys, we were not disappointed. I mean, biased, potentially. But if the skis didn't deserve it, we probably just wouldn't have done this particular episode of the podcast. In our conversation, we hear from Christian about some of the thought that went into updating the series. He explained what's different about the new generation, the approach and development from the full family down to each individual ski the decision-making that goes into changing an established product and how the new construction affects the positioning of the Russell and Shiva in the already very well-established Blizzard lineup. It was super dope to chop it up with our good homie Christian, who just happened to play a humongous role in one of the new products we are most stoked on for the coming year. Enjoy the show. Holla. Is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It's cheap too. So this this is actually, I know you're here to do a podcast, which is awesome. Thanks for coming down. But it's actually Joe's first appearance on the Boston Ski Party as well. So yeah, so it's a little. Let's go, boys. So because we had just skied on the stuff. Um, at, at Sunapee and Joe was with me and Giorgio. And so when, when Berg was like, yo, Christian's going to come down. I was like, well, we should have Joe on. Cause we literally, it's fresh in our minds. Like we just got on stuff, <laughs> Zick, awesome. which is sweet. So initial feedback, dude, before we jump into it, like how's everyone vibing on it, man? It's been really good. Yeah. People seem psyched. Obviously it's been uh, a long project coming. So there's that anxiety as you <laughs> kind of like right. let your baby out into the world and, and walk there. But it's been, it's been awesome. Feedback's been really good. I think people are um, understanding what we tried to do, obviously, like it's always scary when you're evolving a, a product that people are so used to at this right. point. So I think people are understanding what we want to do and generally appreciating all the all the changes made. Nice. How long did you guys let the last Rustler run for? Like how many years was that? It was initially launched in 1718. Okay. Um, so depending on whether you want to start from development or from release, it's been six or seven years. Okay. I know. I kind of thought like 17. 100 as well. When you, were <laughs> 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 <a> good year. <laughs> you said it with like so much confidence. Like initially 17, 18. I was like, wow, we're going to run up with this joke. <laughs> Ski from the 1700s. Yeah, exactly. It's an old one, but it's a good one. <laughs> well, that's a long run. Yeah. That's it's a like long a run. I, I didn't realize it was 17, 18, to be honest with you. I, I just, you know, it's funny because you think about Rustler and it's like, Brahma and, and Bonafide obviously have been around for a long time. So you kind of associate them with like the brand of Blizzard and their own brands within themselves. Right. But like Russell, then it kind of just kind of popped up and I, but it's been around for, for a minute. And I feel like the longer that it was around, like with those other skis, I mean, and feel to correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it gained traction like later in its time uh, as a, uh, as an available ski, like in your lineup. Totally. Yeah. I mean, think about what they were replacing at the time with Peacemaker, Gunsmoke, Regulator, which like, the true Blizzard, you know, fans might remember those names, but like those were a couple hundred pair of models a year for us. Like they were yeah. not significant at all. So launching Rustler Shiva into the the and kind of replacing our free ride line, like 
name change, new models, new concepts, definitely the intention to complement those, those all mountain skis you just mentioned, but like, you know, neither a ton of skin in the game at that point with like gigantic names that had been in the line for a while to, to replace nor less a, like a, a category for us that had been super successful. So like you're hundred percent right. Like starting in a place where it was just two models, then going to three. And now where we're at today where like, there's some of our best selling skis in the entire line. And almost have eclipsed in some ways like the the brand equity of Brahmas and Bonafides. Like it's a it's a crazy to think about how they evolved and also obviously like as we're uh taking on the task to update them here, like not lost on like the different gravity of the of the objective at hand for sure. So like what is the objective? Like when you guys were working on creating the new rustler, how does that process work? Because you have Bonafide and we had Hustle that came out this fall. Like how do you figure out how this ski fits into this whole totally i mean like it for us it's a lot of trying to go back to to sort of our philosophy around product which is always trying to think specifically about who's going to be using it and for what i mean we're not typically in the game of, of trying to build products that that do a little bit of everything okay but rather trying to have specific tools for specific jobs um imagine that skiing for the most part for a lot of things is more of a quiver sport and with that obviously is trying to 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 think about skis like in the all mountain lineup that we have or in the backcountry lineup there with with hustle and figure out what would be the correct positioning of these models within our own line and through the work of talking to you guys talking with the athletes who use these skis and then as much as possible interacting with consumers about what they think of the skis compared to to other products in our line and also obviously the the larger competitor landscape there try to bracket like you could think of the, the performance window that you live within there, like how much on trail versus soft snow, how much is this, uh, is say the Russell 11, an athlete only ski versus say a, an everyday Joe ski and try to figure out like what would be the cross positioning of, of how you want to fit it within your own line. And then after that, it's like, okay, here's the, the performance pocket we want to live in. Is that achievable with <laughs> known technologies that we have here? Because obviously yeah, this right. thing can't uh, can't solve world hunger, for example. You sure? <laughs> <laughs> <We're> trying. <laughs> um, and then after that, obviously, like you know, beginning with the engineers of of identifying the the awesome part is starting with the rustlers and chiefs we had. Which instead of like trying to solve uh, an inherently not working product, you're starting from a product that at least has a a, a high regard for for the performance it has already. So can kind of start in a better place with this project after you've identified where you want to fit within your line of, okay, what are the things that if we're not going to fundamentally change its positioning overall in our line that we want to improve with the skis that we have here versus obviously like there've been plenty of conversations about other models. Like, yeah, that wasn't working. We needed something completely different that fit in a different place in the collection. And there wasn't a lot from the last one we wanted to bring through at all. Right. Well, I'll go back to what you just said. Cause it's interesting. Cause I, I felt the same way about the Russell 11, you know, skiing it a bunch of times over the years like was that specific athlete ski because it literally felt like that i mean it didn't really feel like as someone who sells skis to consumers i didn't i didn't feel super confident <laughs> like saying that this rustler level like you're gonna have an awesome time on this ski yeah it's it's the age-old challenge of, of building skis that allow you know the the leo slemets and the marcuses to do things that you know a portion of 1% of people could even uh, achieve in their life right. versus, you know, being able to have a ski that can place on a retail wall on the average Joe can go out there and just have an awesome day. I mean, I think we've developed some technologies that uh, allow ourselves to be able to to hit that window of having skis that are easy to use, but meet the top end need there. But for sure, like that is the everyday challenge you're going up against of a ski that needs to work for the the top end users there, as well as the, the people who, you know, only 
there's one powder day a year that they're able to like right. grab that ski and go for it. Now in Rustler in the old current year, Rustler 910, not the one that just came out. Um, where do you feel like that ski came up short? Um, and do you feel like you accomplished, you know, what you wanted in the new Rustler? A couple areas. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously like it was a lot of working with you guys as well as uh, some of the other names I mentioned there to kind of identify what were those shortcomings. And, you know, aside from them doing pretty well, it was feeling like they skied a little bit short for what they were. Some of that was the rocker profile that, that had been used in those skis. And then some of it was the, the metal layup within there as well. I mean, I don't know if how many of the listeners will, uh, will remember what DRT stands for, but that was one of those technical acronyms. I don't even know what it stands for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure mo- many people in, in Blizzard don't even know what it stands for in some ways, <laughs> but it was dynamic release technology. Super, oh, that's right. Yeah. Super fun acronym to just throw at people as you're like doing a monologue about a ski. Um, what it was, 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 referring- I was tripping off DRT last night. <laughs> <laughs> Might've been something else. <laughs> oh, DMT. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> All it was referring to was the, um, the the metal plate that was within those skis, which yeah. was um, a singular sheet of metal that actually tapered from the center towards the tip and tail. The goal of it was to achieve torsionally soft tips and tails of skis while still having a really strong underfoot, um, feeling performance edge grip. And it for sure did that almost too well. So it made the skis feel like they skied a little bit short for, for maybe the length that was written on it there. Um, but it also actually, as we were kind of getting used to those skis as more people were using them as they kind of evolved from that small little pocket within our, our categories or needs um, to more mass consumption, realizing that there were people that could simply like overpower the front of those skis and kind of get them to, to hinge a little bit and not necessarily feel as balanced and, and um, have the flex profile that we both wanted, but also have learned a little bit more how to control in the last couple of years with some of the core technologies that we've developed too. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing on the new rustlers, specifically the nine, um, how much more I can step on those skis and truly tip them up at high edge angle and really trust that that thing is going to hold and arc a turn where, you know, last Thursday when the few of us were out, we were going back to back with old nine, new nine, old 10, new 10. And the new ones carve really well. The front side performance is there. And that hinginess you were talking about, I mean, that's gone in the new ones. It doesn't feel so blocky. Almost like yeah. immediately. Yeah, when you, especially when you go from the old Rustler Nine, and then you, you you know do a run, then you pop off and you switch and you do. That's the first thing that almost you think about. You're like, wow, like that that part of that feeling of the ski flexing is gone. And you know when you make a ski that much more confident on harder snow, you typically lose all the playfulness that was great in the Rustler. And I don't think any of that was lost. Mm-mm. I mean, we really tossed those skis around quite a bit with yeah. the snow we had on the side, and it was it's great. It's great. I mean, it just it makes the skis just feel. Well, the new ski just feels a lot more precise than the old one. And more um, balanced. Yeah, a lot more balanced. Um, and obviously that has to do with like the way that you design the new construction. Now, like when you went from that old construction story with the Tetanol and how it was kind of laid up to the new one, I know we got, we're lucky enough to ski on some of those prototypes when we were at uh, Suicide 6 last year, which was awesome. Um, and we, there was a few different ones as well, which was super cool. Uh, but like, how did you come up with, okay, like maybe the skis, that hinge point that you talked about, maybe that's kind of inhibiting the ski to doing what we wanted to do. So how, how do we take that and like change the way we lay up the reinforcement? Yeah, it was, it's kind of starting with the, the laundry list of things you want to improve, developing the, the brief around what you want the skis to be within the line. And then in 
let's say, nice ways from the product management side of things, you get to hand that list to the engineering side of the house yeah. that actually have to take your your napkin drawings and feelings that you want from the product and go figure out what the the technical layup of that would be. So this is where I get to, to shout out Stefan Moser, who's our, our lead engineer in Mittersill there, of taking that napkin drawing from the athletes, from from all of us, from the feedback that we'd collected over the, the life of Russell and Chiva and going, okay, like a lot of that's crazy, but here's what we can actually achieve out of these skis. And from that, obviously with the, the advent of True Blend that we had in, uh, in the all-mountain skis in 2021, we've gotten in pretty deep on trying to understand how skis flex, how to control the flex, what types of materials placed where within a ski lend to different feelings. And I think a lot of that is what contributed us to understanding about you know, how important it is to have uniform materials that run the full length tip and tail there um, to allow those skis to bend and flex the way they really need to. So a lot of what we were testing when we were at, uh, at Suicide 6 there, which was awesome because we had so many different constructions. That it's one all, of my favorite test days of all time. Yeah, like we had so many different <laughs> skis awesome. that felt a different way. It, that and, lift. The, and the conditions like were not ideal like for like a ski day, but for like a test day and like what we had, to, what, what we were skiing, what we were skiing on, it was it was pretty sick. Exactly. That First of all, like Suicide 6, now Saskadena 6 is hands down one of the sneakiest mountains in all of Vermont. Like that place is absolutely amazing. A lot of vert, fast lift, like mm-hmm. incredible place to go just test product and like yeah. have the experience. How many did. laps they, do you think we got in that day? A lot. A lot. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And they and that race was going on, which we talked about before, but they did not yeah. want us there. No, no. We, not we were not welcome that day. <laughs> like, this is going to be a great test day. And it's like, oh, there's an actual, there's a legit, there's a legit race in the hole. Yeah. <laughs> is closed. Yeah. Yeah. But we had like six something pairs of skis there. And I mean, everybody got a couple laps on all of them. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a solid bell to bell test day. It, it, what's funny, I went back there this summer to, to mountain bike with a couple of, mm-hmm. of, our, of our mountain bike buddies. And we had to ride up that trail oh yeah easy that, mile yeah that we, that we were you know, obviously like really testing it's a lot steeper <laughs> in the summer for sure <laughs> yep i'm like because my, my our buddy Don's, he's like yeah yeah we, we, we take this trail up i'm like oh yeah i know that trail we were we had a, a couple awesome yeah we had that awesome test day here no problem and then as we're pedaling up i'm like dude this is so much steeper on a mountain bike than it is than it is just testing like, because it doesn't feel like it's that it's that steep at all. Can confirm it also feels steeper when you're going uphill on skis, yeah. too. When I was doing that last <laughs> night, I was like, ah, yeah, this is, like, not the same when you're coming down it, for no. sure. It, it's kind of sneaky. Yeah. It's a sneaky, steep, steep, steep run. Um, but, yeah, back to, like, what that test day was. It was a super fun one because, obviously, again, to the, the idea of, like, unveiling a product to people and, like, kind of gathering more feedback. Like, we, again, knew, knew some things we wanted to address with those skis, but it's always, you know, rubber meeting the road of, of – do we have we solved them? What do other people think? You know, are these changing the positioning of those skis within our line? And the cool thing about having all those different skis there was we were able to like really clearly say like, oh, that feels more like an all mountain ski. Oh, that feels like yeah. a little close to backcountry, and kind of bring that that window that we wanted to have within there and get down to. I think there were only like two that were kind of kind of boiled to the top from those favorites. And then same thing, you just make your list about like, okay, clearly these two are the front runners. I would still improve this. I would still change that. Like you can, you can get into a a really precise level of of kind of feeling and, and desire out of those skis, which was just awesome to be able to kind of get to that that level. I think that was in January when we were able to ski those sometime. I think so. Yeah. So like you're you're the product manager for Blizzard, right? That's what the and you're, yeah. you're coming up with these. <laughs> What's that? I said that's what they tell me. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they tell you. Yeah. Um, so, where you come up with a new ski, you have these prototypes, you're getting input from all these people like 
us athletes, whoever, how do you organize all that stuff and prioritize it? So it's actually a sellable product. Yeah. It's no, easy. that is the name of the game. You want to sell more of these things. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the challenge back to what we we're talking about before of like, is this an athlete ski? Is this an everyday ski? And, and you for sure need some athlete only skis in your line to, to make the film segments, everything like that. But you also have to keep the lights on too. So exactly what you're talking about is trying to take that feedback. And in the end, you kind of just have to wait people's feedback. I mean, uh, to example of even what I was looking at today or uh, reading some of the the comments on the the um, Ski Magazine article around Rustler 9, where like it placed really well, people were excited about it. And then reading an email into like our consumer line about someone saying the Rustler 9 was the worst ski that had ever been made ever. Oh, so you kind of have to like- Who's, Who said that? Oh, yeah, would, not even worth going State that his name. <laughs> <laughs> but you just have to wait some of the feedback about like, you know, what where is this person coming from with this? kind of feedback, you know, obviously you guys are, are an unbelievable sounding board to, to get feedback from because you, you sell so many different lines, you have so many different customers that come to you and you work with so many different brands, um, and, and are so close to the trends happening year over year. Yeah. So obviously like, you know, a vote like yours versus the email that I got this morning are taken in two different weights for Sick. sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's, nice. that's good. <laughs> uh, so between the two that are in this room right now, the Russell 9 and the Russell 10, 10, you know, when I was skiing, I was, I was thinking about this and I was, you know, glad of, now that you're here, like I can ask you, you know, when you were developing those two kind of side by side, like, did you want just to build, because the, the nine is awesome. It, it's, it's probably one of my favorite skis, not blowing smoke. It, it's, it's incredible. Thank oh, you. Same here. And it, did, did you want to build a wider version of essentially the nine? Like, Hey, like, are you thinking about this ski as just a wider version of what you already did? Or are you thinking about the ski in a way that it's going to be a different person skiing it different needs? Obviously you get this going to share technology, but like, what was the thought process in separating the two? Yeah. And that's where obviously like, it's almost um, a story by model here. Like we can unpack the, the thought process for each one of them. Like the 11 was, was more refinement of a, of a ski that by and large is a, is a charger athlete ski there versus the nine, the way we had it in the line before. And obviously like those who know the kind of blizzard lineup, we have a Brahma 88 and a Bonafide 97 that live in the, the all mountain line of skis for sure. Names that have been known for a long, long time, very successful for us. Within that was the, the Rustler 9 at 92. And we've had a lot of success kind of overlapping waist widths there and setting things up such that, you know, somebody who is in that low 90s kind of waist width uh, mindset for what a ski that they want to have can kind of find their, their happy home in between, say, a more precise feeling ski or a more playful feeling ski. And as much as like the, the Rustler Shiva line had, had grown up within our, our collection of skis and were selling better and, and recognized by more people, it still felt like the nine was just a little bit lost in that lineup there. Like it was so narrow to the extent that people needed it to perform better on trail than it did before. And obviously some of that was the, the technology we were using of the, the prior execution of DRT and the rocker profiles. But some of that is also just like what consumers seem to be looking for with, uh, with waste widths and where they're trying to use the skis. So as we're getting feedback and as we're trying to understand where to, where to put things kind of looking at the, the bona fide consumer versus the rustler consumer and realizing that waste width wise, they were more similar than they were different as far as where they were going to be skiing the right. ski, but very different expectations for what the product wanted to be there. So rustler nine, as you guys are pointing out, probably got the most change of any of the, the three models and the purpose being to, to push it a little bit more into that free ride space where People are chasing that softer snow, but in a much more playful kind of versatile way than say a bonafide. That's very much like an on trail type of use of right. ski. Yeah, exactly. Because those skis are, are so similar. And now you have these, which are honestly from skiing on them again, side by side, they do feel different enough. 
which is why I was curious and like the thought process, you know, because it felt like the 10, you know, obviously you're gonna, they're going to share technologies, of course, they're new, but it felt like the 10 was coming around a little bit easier from the tail. It, it felt like it, you can kind of drive through a little bit more where it felt like the nine just felt like it was glued to the snow. Yeah. Um, and maybe that was just a waste with things. So when you kind of widened it or the rocker th- with the tail, I, I don't know, but they do feel different enough where I think the person that's going to buy one or the other is going to be happy with, with the purchase. Well, cool. That's, that's exciting to hear. Cause obviously, you know, you spend a lot of time looking at these things on spreadsheets and seeing only a, a six millimeter difference in waste width and going, ah, is this going to be confusing? Do these have a reason to both live? Like, how does this whole thing set up? So what was the, what has been the best selling wrestler for you guys? For a long time it was the 10. Yeah. The 10, I mean, especially with, with Kochi's 106 and we could talk about sort of the, the oh, yeah, yeah, that thing. yeah, the evolution yeah. Of, of skiing away from Kochi's being on the cover of ski magazine in 2012 and one of the best selling models down yeah. to like, Had that ski. yeah, a couple hundred pair model now that like you want to talk about athlete only skis. Like yeah. that's, that's where that one lives now. So Rustler 10 very much is like kind of come up in, in that void of, of placing itself as one of the best selling rustlers. I'm excited to kind of see what you guys are talking about, which is where the Rustler 9 goes from. If it, if it comes out of the shadow of the of the bona fide a little bit um, and, and kind of comes into itself a little bit more in, in a, uh, a light and kind of matches the, the performance that we're looking for and differentiates itself from 10 such that it's not sort of stuck in the middle the way, the way it was before. Yeah, it will. I think that's probably going to take a couple of years for everyone to figure out, but the 9 is one of the most impressive skis I've skied on. Sick. Yeah, it's well, great. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, you can educate us a little bit, too, on the Shiva setup, because obviously we can't really just graze, you know, glaze over that. So trickling <clears throat> the new Shivas, you know, what, when you're kind of thinking about how you're going to place that in the line or how, how you're going to improve it, like, were you thinking maybe like this is going to potentially cannibalize, you know, what you guys have going so well from the women's collection? Because, I mean, if it skis as well as a nine, you know, I wouldn't be... I, I, I could sell that to any any female skier who from intermediate to expert, and I, and I would be more confident, like, oh, this is actually better than when, what they're making currently. So when you were designing it, like, what was the thought process there around the Shiba Nine? Shiba Nine, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's where because close, totally. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it's where you almost need to like a little bit of history on on uh, the brand and as well as the the kind of product in the in the line there. So. We launched a, a women to women campaign in 2015, led by Leslie Baker Brown, who's our now global director of, of that initiative. Russell and Chiva, as we kind of started the conversation here, initially were launched in 1718. So we had not necessarily uh, embarked or understood all the things that were possible to achieve from a women specific design with with the product line there. So Shiva at the time, even though obviously great skis within our lineup there and and uh, you know working well with the Black Pearl line, certainly not gotten necessarily all of the the same updates we could have. When we launched the new Black Pearls in, in 2021, I mean, that was a great example of working with the women's group and having a, a ground up project that was completely separate from the men's skis there. So trying to take, a you know, knowing that Shiva was so important within the line here, obviously, uh, similar to Rustler, what it's grown to in the in the years since we initially launched it in 1718 there, approached it with a similar mindset of like, okay, ground up, no holds barred again. What what do these skis need to be within our line? And more importantly, when we have the opportunity here to make a, a women-specific freeride line of skis, what would that even look like? And so naturally, obviously, that's going to share elements, but not necessarily everything right. with the with the men's line there. And similar question of, obviously, Black Pearl is the juggernaut that uh, yeah. <laughs> cannot be not mentioned here. And like, how does a, a Shiva collection fit with the Black Pearl collection there? So, you know, trying to figure out all the same questions we were just asking ourselves. How do these fit within the line? What are the problems that we can solve? 
with the current skis, what are the problems that we can solve with the current skis that are even also women specific? So that led itself to, to many of the same things that um, we've done with the Black Pearl line, which is a women's specific metal layup within those skis. So there's one less piece of metal in the in the okay. Shiva skis than the um, than the Rustler skis, allowing them just to be a little bit lighter, more playful, easy to bend. Obviously, the the general expectation is a woman probably is 50 pounds less than maybe the the same size uh, guy, for example. So needs a little bit um, easier ski and ski for being able to, to bend it as far as that goes, even if they're Kate Self and they're skiing way faster and harder than, than most of the guys at the same on the same length of ski there. But then it's also doing the things that we've done with Black Pearl as well, which is building women's specific molds in a lot of those sizes, um, d- developing specific true blend wood cores and different high cuts and doing as much as possible to make sure that ski is optimized for that target customer um, rather than obviously, you know, just seeking differentiation for some marketing story and that has been one of the the coolest things as we've launched these skis and Shiva has become more different than Rustler than it was before is getting that feedback of, of seeing women ski the Shiva for the first time, realize it's a completely different animal than it was before, experience many of the things you guys are describing of, of the improvements made onto those skis and, and experiencing obviously the optimization that's built there. And then obviously then going back to a Rustler as well, feeling how different those are and appreciating that difference too. Because like I was trying to say, I mean, the... It wasn't the, the goal to make differentiation for the sake of differentiation. It was the goal to really build a product that was specifically intended for the target users there. Right. Yeah, no, because that ski, <clears throat> I feel like at the point of purchase now, you know, when, when you're kind of describing the ADA or the, or the Shiva to say someone that's shopping for skis, like people are more open to going that direction. Uh, and so now that it's gotten redone and now that you guys, you know, now skiing on these, like it just opens the door to like, yeah, this is actually going to serve all your needs like you know you don't necessarily have to get the best selling women's ski in the history of women's skis like you can get this mm-hmm. and you're going to have actually a fantastic time might even have a better time because <laughs> it's it's new it feels different and, and you're going to have a blast you know um so uh, yeah that, that's awesome because i'm glad that you're thinking of it that way um it's just one of those funny things that like when you are like at the point of purchase at the attack you're like how am I going to describe yeah. each one? Because this person is literally staring at me like, well, what's the difference? Yeah. You're like, uh. <laughs> yeah, two skis along the wall next to each other. Both good, but for different things. You can see the things. Like, in the graphic on this one, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so much visual technology. Oh, this one's waterproof, by the way. <laughs> and and the, the Rustler 10, before I forget, because I, I, I always had like this negative connotation to that ski because I had the first year that you guys came out with it, um, we we went to Powder Week that year, and it was the first day. And back then, like that was probably like my second day out that season. Like we were here working all the time, and I wasn't going to the gym. My legs were weak. I, I was just out of shape. And I get on that ski the very first day, and very first run, we're at red, and we're black. Was it at red? It might have been. At, where was it? It's probably it was big sky. Red, or was it was a big sky. Yeah, might have been big sky that year. I don't remember exactly where, but I remember this run because we got on the ski and we went through the trees and I, I caught a tree. I hooked it and like, I went upside down. Oh dude, that was at red. All right. Was it red? All right. Was it red? And, yeah. and I got true. And I was by myself cause everyone's kept going. And I, I, it took me like 15 minutes to like get myself out. And I was like, literally like shook. And I'm like, fuck these skis, dude. I was like, I, like get me off of these. It was the first and only time it's ever happened to me, knock on wood. And I was like, I was shook for the rest of the day. I'm like, dude, I was like upside down. Like no one was around. What the fuck am I even doing? Out here? These skis and, suck. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so 
when I finally got down, um, what's his name? Was his name Justin? Works for Techno Blizz. Mm-hmm. That hey name? now? Yep. No, 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 not Hey now. Shipman. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I'm not. I'm not sure his last name. Works for Techno Blizzard. He was he was your representative at the event. Tall guy, lanky. Oh, are you thinking about uh, Harvey? Yeah, really big dude. Yeah, big okay, dude. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think. Yep. That's his name. I, I sorry, I can't remember his name. But he was there, and he's like, "Yo, is everything okay?" And I just, you know, told him exactly what just happened to me. Yeah. And so he's like, "Oh, dude, that's fucking crazy! Like, oh, oh is everything cool with the skis?" I'm like, "Everything's fine. Let's just get to the bottom." You know. <laughs> on the way to the bottom, he like on like a long like run out, like where there's like little hits on the side. He he goes off like this little just little like jump on the, like on the side of the trail, lands both of his coach's boots. <laughs> explode (laughs) absolutely explode he explodes out of the boots explodes out of the skis and he just like he's like scorpions i stop he's like snow red face like what the fuck dude i'm like are you okay bro he's like oh my god look at my boots and like they were he must have been like messing with him and and they're absolutely just shattered and i remember someone like uh hit me up later being like, yo, it's like everything cool with like Technica. I'm like, yeah, why? They're like, oh, you know, someone said that you were skiing with so-and-so and like, <laughs> they he was like, I think, <laughs> he's like, I don't know if Ski Monster's going to buy Technica boots now. He just saw me explode two boots. And I'm like, I honestly was just worried for the guy's safety. Like he literally exploded out of his skis. Man, tough powder test. <laughs> that, that was day one. And so forever I was like, you know what? I, I don't like this ski, which is not very fair at all. But now that I've skied the new one, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't. Well, cool. Also, the feedback didn't come up and then when we were doing the debrief session there of like, yeah, we started a really bad place with this ski. <laughs> <laughs> we did. And then yeah. eventually it got to a point where you're selling more nines and Brahmas on the floor, which it felt like anyways. Um, well, speaking of, of boots, you're here. We should at least talk about it. Dude. What's going on with Boa? Are you, are you stoked? I mean, I know you guys aren't doing any, yep. but like, are you, are you stoked on the technology? Do you like the idea of it, like, what are your thoughts? Boa is one of the funniest examples to me of like the industry just hating change. And like, just even before anyone's had it in their hand and like had the opportunity to try a boot on, just being like, that's dumb. I hate it already. (laughs) So for us, like too big, you know, but Boa approached as you're seeing, I mean, we've got four brands that are, that are bringing a Boa boot out next year. Boa approached uh, most manufacturers with, with this new system that they had there. Um, And obviously like pitch the benefits of it. Kind of like we're interested in what, what projects each brand were working on at the time, if it might work in there. For us, just the, the kind of projects we had in the pipeline with uh, with doing a Kochi's HV that's uh, coming out now, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to try and like incorporate a, a bow into that necessarily. And obviously like the same questions everyone's asking about, like, you know, what benefits does this have? What's the long-term kind of durability of it? Like more questions than than immediate obvious benefit for us. So we obviously didn't jump on the, on the ship this year, but I'm excited. Like Boa is a Boa is an interesting platform to to kind of think about how that could change the fit of boots there and where that might uh might apply. Like I'm not sure it's every boot would would benefit from it, but it's something unique there. And uh, I'm more interested to see just like kind of where it finds its its um, cruising altitude within the industry on what what totally. models. Yeah. Um, the main question we have with with Technica boots around is actually more in the customization side of things. Is like obviously you can try to put that that bow where it's not necessarily a super critical fit zone, but like we've also hung our hat on you can customize every square inch of a Technica boot for and, sure, and yeah. that would be one area that's that's a little bit challenging to make a punch or, or do a grind or anything like that. But yeah, again, like uh, I'm definitely not on on team boa hate for sure. I'm on team like let's see where this thing lands because I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, us too. I mean, all the ones we've tried on are awesome. I mean, they fit awesome. Um, the mechanism seems to work great. The micro just is cool. 
Well, it's a true micro adjust. I think it's like a, you have 142 adjustments on a boa versus on a buckle with micro adjust. You have like 40 something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So way more adjustable. Um, and like with some of the hate I've been like seeing on Twitter with this thing or whatever, you know, on a snowboard boot or even on like a cycling shoe, the boa has way more resistance going against it. Like, you know, on the, on a snowboard boot, it's like right up on your leg Mm -hmm. and you're flexing into that thing. And there's so much more stress on the cable and the mechanism in the ski boot. I mean, that's more of like just a fit adjustment and it is way overbuilt like beyond what any of those other boas are. So I, I'm not worried about it durability wise. Um, I don't, I don't think anything bad is going to happen there. I mean, you'd really have to mess up. Um, but I mean, even like the ones that we have over here that we've smashed on stuff, like you just put it back on that, that part's great. (laughs) It pops right back up. Um, and we just got a, a kit into, and we've started messing around with like replacing stuff. That's seems all slick, but you are right. Like, on the uh, customization aspect, no, that isn't in a spot that typically needs work, but that that's a that's a legit argument. Yeah, that's that's was kind of one of our main sticking points, and again, just didn't necessarily line up with the the project we were working on at the time. To your point, I think like obviously, want everybody wants to compare it to the the boa that's on their mountain bike shoes or on the the soccer cleats or whatever. Like the reason you're seeing it on ski boots now is it's a new product that boa developed that in theory, like answers to a lot of those questions there. So yeah, again, I mean, in the, in the consumer, in the end, the consumers will decide, obviously all the listeners will figure out, you know, where this thing works, if it's cool, if it's not cool. And I'm, I'm excited to see it's not a, it's not every day you get to see kind of a wholesale change to the, the fundamental way you close your boots. Like right. Every boot on the market, aside from a couple of the like really light touring boots is a buckle. Mm -hmm. So it's just cool to see something different out there for sure. Yeah. So in Joe, I'll ask you because you fit more boots than most people will fit in their entire life, like daily. So like, (laughs) like from someone that's going to basically have instant feedback, you know, from the consumer, like what have you gotten so far? Cause we have some in, in ski monster and like, what do you think people are going to say when you bring it out and you show it? And because I mean, you talk to people about boots a lot. Yeah. I think the, I think what I'm most excited for about just boa in general across the top of the foot is there's too many people out there that crank the shit out of the buckles right. on their boot. It's going to be way more difficult for them to over tighten a boa closure as opposed to just here's four ladders on a buckle and I can just hammer it all the way over. Cause if you can crank that boa do- buckle dial to where it feels just good yeah. on your foot and it's not like how far should I buckle my boots? Well, that's so interesting because like, because there's that many slots for you to put right. a buckle you in, there's like those. this, Oh, yeah. I got to use them all. Yeah. There. Use them up. <laughs> that's not the case. I'm wasting two of them. I got to get all the way use it, You lose it. Right. So I think it'll be nice with the dial. You know, there's less of the, Hey, I went out skiing the top of my foot is crushed and I'm, I don't have to ask. Did you buckle this all the way over? Because they're just <laughs> going to turn that dial to where it feels pretty good on their feet. Yeah. Which I think will be really good. It'll probably save custom boot work appointments, in all honesty, because people aren't going to be cutting off the circulation of their foot unless they really hammer that dial. Right. And it's a good in-step story, too. Yeah. You know, from a customization standpoint. Yeah. Like, well, customization from, from, the, from the actual bow and not from the boot Yeah, shell. I think people will be uh, happier in general with the way the top of their feet feel and the size of their feet feel inside a boot because yeah. they're not hammering buckles all the way over. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, and same for you, both you guys, uh, like the, the size of it, I mean, it's definitely big. It's and, a big and, dial. And everyone, like, that's going to be the first thing that everyone says, like, dude, when I'm, like, getting my, my, my boots up, dude, like, I'm going to pop this thing. Like, you're not. 
You're not. You're not Steve Knight. <laughs> it's big, but it's not that big. <laughs> and like buckles are big. Yeah. There's a, it's no different, you know, the the odds of you, you know, leaning a ski over so far or knocking it off the side of a tree or whatever is the same as knocking a buckle off. Like it doesn't stick out that yeah. much farther than a typical buckle would, so I don't know. But you know that's what's going to be said every Definitely. time. But everyone's yeah, I it. said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to open the as soon as they take it, before you even put it on their foot, they're going to be like, look at the size of that yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys have probably already gotten that. Um, I, I, no one has said that to me yet, but uh, they've, they've been like, as they're cranking up, it's kind of like, wow, that's can, pretty cool. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's not like, is this too tight? Is this too loose? It's like, oh, here we go. This is how tight I want it. And yeah. it fits. I mean, I think, nice. it's, I think it's sick. Have you tried one on yet? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. All of them? Uh, not all of them. No, no. I've tried the uh, the Atomic on and the K2 on, uh, and both are pretty cool. I mean, obviously, um, it was clear to us, even as we we're testing it, like you need to to build the lower shell of the boot such that you're planning to have a bow on. Oh, yeah. You can't really just slap the bow on in, in replacement of the, the buckles. Um, so it's clear, obviously, the brands that, like, kind of took that initiative there. And, yeah, it's it's cool how it, like, progressively builds that pressure versus a buckle, even if you've been skiing forever, like it's a little bit trial and error figuring exactly right. what, what notch you want to be in there. I also like it cause it looks expensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks, exp- it does. It looks like a, I, I was, well, initially I was nervous before um, I saw it when ever, you know, George was like, yo, there's a lot of bow boots. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, man, like thinking to your point, to George's point about, you know, what the boa looks like on a snowboard boot, you know what I mean? Or like a, a climbing shoe or whatever. And you're like, that doesn't that doesn't look very it looks kind of cheap and then when you see the finished product with the boa on the ski boots you're like damn that's not like any other bow i've seen like that looks like a finished expensive well boa. yeah because it's attached to plastic not like a piece of cloth or yeah. like a tongue right yeah way more substantial i'm, I'm excited to, to to ski in a couple and test them out but actually oh speaking of texting i forgot to ask you what, what's your guys plans for the new rustler as far as where are you guys going what ski tests are you going to any are you going to all yeah so we've we've kind of been doing the circuits obviously like mostly focused on the the retail front with you guys and some and some launch events here and now i mean even what i was working on this morning before i drove down to, to do the podcast here is getting prepped for for the mag test circuit yeah um there's a lot of them out there there's a lot of cool ones we'll be at uh blister in the middle of february will kind of be the the first big one to kind of unveil the the new rustlers and shivas let's say for consumer testing uh, have you been to that before i've not this will be my yeah. first time yeah i've heard really good things so i'm, I'm curious yeah. to check it out yeah um then after that we'll be at uh, at ski magazine in sun valley kind of at the the end of february there and then free skier and then of course there'll be lots and lots of people what there are already lots and lots of uh publications and people reaching out saying hi oh, can i kind of just get a pair for for long-term testing and write a nice review you're like yeah okay yep. <laughs> as long as it's nice yeah as yeah. long as it's just, nice just mention my name yeah. <laughs> product manager <Yeah. laughs> sent by capital yeah. c and yeah. um i don't think i know this what was what was your first project at tech blizz this is my first project full start to finish um yeah rustler and chief have been my full full first project start to finish you know i've this is like january is now my eighth year working for uh for the technica group um initially starting in the supply planning and spreadsheet world things far less uh Mm -hmm. you know close to the product and and maybe uh on the hill side of things um and so kind of coming from that world drafting behind the likes of, of jed duke and even actually learning quite a bit from um, from the other side of the hall too, with Ethan Corpy when I was more in the in the group role, um, 
pause you. Yeah. We, we can't get through a podcast without mentioning Ethan Corby. <laughs> it and, comes and, up every time. <laughs> and every time. I know he's listening to his car. He's like, yeah, fucking right. That's right. <laughs> rent, rent free, baby. Yeah, Gary, we'll, we'll edit that out. All right, so keep, <laughs> keep going. Um, so kind of drafting off a lot of like, say, the, you know, Jed Duke being a great example of, of someone who um, started with Blizzard when it came back to the, the States in the mid-2000s there and has been the, the thought leader behind a lot of just about every product that, that you've seen over the last two decades here. So as he transitioned to more of a, more of a global role, obviously I kind of got to expand more into the, the U S and the North American side of things. And now that Jed's kind of on to, to new adventures here, Russell Shiva was my first kind of full start to finish. Like dude, good got, work. You killed you. it. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Start to finish. You have the reins and uh, please don't mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> rule number one. That's, yeah. that's, that is rule number one. You know, that's, that's our, that's our rule number one here. Well, yeah, <laughs> don't fuck it up. Don't yeah. fuck <laughs> it up. Yeah. And obviously developing a new ski, you know, there's other skis in the marketplace that you're comparing it to, you know? So like with these in particular, the nine and 10, like what did you guys do for, for, for benchmarks? Yeah, it's a cool process. Cause obviously like w where we're in and the, like the state of the industry right now is there's so much good product out there from so many manufacturers that you almost take the Chinese menu of like the entire hundred wasted category. I always try to approach it of like, you obviously can't, can't test everything <laughs> within the line there. So I try to pick things that I kind of, that we as a, as a product team, like look at as far as, far as sort of bracketing the, the segments of the industry. Like we knew we didn't want to go as far into sort of the, the say playful, easy to ski world as maybe a, a blaze. Um, but we also didn't want to, you know, get too, too front side charge. You say like a, a mantra one Oh two, obviously talking about specifically vocal skis there. Likewise, you can kind of do that within the, the Nordica line. You can do that within the, the Solomon line, the Atomic line of the difference between a, a Ben Chetler and a, and a Maverick, for example. So we tried to cherry pick a lot of what, what we think are some of the best skis in the category there. Armada 102 came up, uh, Alon Ripsticks came up, Enforcer 104s came up. Like, Damn. We've been working on the skis for- I was kind of hoping you were going to say everything except for Nordica. <laughs> 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 Has to come up, of course. I mean, we make them too. So <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, those were those were a few of the favorites, but I mean, we've been working on the skis for, for three years at this point. So like have been on a little bit of everything from, from many manufacturers now. It's cool because you can tell that those are the benchmarks for the ski. Yeah. Like having been on those. And when we were at- suicide six on one of the prototypes i was like dude this is the declivity killer yep <laughs> and that what that ski i think ended up being like a little further and like i think you knew that like this could maybe this wouldn't be a rustler this is something else but like there was like a little morsel of that ski that had declivity in it mm -hmm. and Sweet. that's made its way into rustler nine and ten what do you think the closest to the rustler is Mm, I mean, the, the declivity is a great example uh, at 92 and, and 102 there. Both of those, like, waist width-wise are similar. Performance-wise, we're, we're certainly a reference there. Um, it's tough to say, like, I mean, even when we're, we're testing, like, you're usually going, like, I like I like this, but not that out of out of a ski. So it's tough to put, like, the the one-to-one -one of, like, we just made another example of yeah. this. But I like to think it's somewhere between uh, – uh, a declivity, a ripstick, and an enforcer. Like we tried to, we tried as we we're doing competitor testing. Like take a little bit of the best of everything with with kind of those skis there, and and make our our own interpretation or better version of a hundred wasted something ski within that that kind of world. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why I say, you know, I was wish you didn't say Nordica because if I was asking Ethan Corby the same question, he'd be like, we don't benchmark Nordica, <laughs> no need. <laughs> so yeah, that was first project. What of, of the whole lineup, you know, Rustler is, Rustler Shiva is, is you. 
Is there any aspect of the line that you're more nervous about? Like the next generation of like, um, you know, developing or like, how do I one up this ski or whatever? We're in a place now where, you know, I think Blizzard, obviously, like I kind of mentioned earlier, coming back to the the uh, the States in the early 2000s, like we've had a small brand mindset for a long, long time. We're definitely in a place now where we're selling a lot of skis in a lot of different categories. So it's it's a little bit scary starting any project for sure, because there's always a sense of like, OK, can't can't mess this up or like, you know, the guy upstairs is definitely going to come down and the eye of Sauron's going to have a conversation with you about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what went wrong here. Uh, <laughs> so there's there's some that for sure. I mean, it's usually tied to the sales of like, you know, how many are we selling of this um, to, to try and not mess it up there? But for us, I mean, it's usually not a not a try not to mess it up mentality like the the best thing about having products that are really successful is you get to start from a place of like, okay, we have a very solid baseline here. What can we improve? And and the opportunity of working for a brand like Blizzard that has such global buy-in from a, from the European team there is you have that opportunity to kind of always be, have the opportunity to improve things. Like there's all, there's never a, Oh yeah, we did the, the free ride skis for the U S like they're good for a few years. Like we're always talking about the the next thing in the lineup there. And even if it's a a ski that Nestle isn't focused on the Italian market there. Like the Italian team is excited about it and like enthusiastic about working with you on what the, the next project you have in the line is. And is there a requirement that like you have to change something, however often where, or is it more like we're going to come out with something once we know that we have, you know, better technology and this is for sure better and release that to the market. It, it can be both. Um, for sure. There's every now and again, like a technology comes along uh, that, uh, that spurs you to like take on a project. Usually the roadmap is set a little bit further uh, out than necessarily uh, new technologies are, are popping up. So in the case of true blend with the all mountain skis, it was much more like, and real quick, just people that are listening, it, it just, Explain what True Blend is. Yeah, True Blend was a, a, an evolution of, of kind of what had been traditional wood core technology, which wood cores for the, the longest time had stringers that ran the, the full length tip to tail uninterrupted there. And when we began the, the project to, to redo Bonafides and Brahmas as well as Black Pearls there, I mean, we've talked about the flex profile of skis a, a couple times here about how important it is for the feeling of skis on snow. For those, it was it was one of the starting places of, of the project. Like, how do we make these skis uh, function in a more nuanced way than they did before? Like, we kind of had some fairly wide race skis in the line uh, with the prior versions of that. And and how do we get these skis to to have a lot of the top end performance, but in the end also be easy to use? I mean, we've talked about also the the performance window that that products need to have. So uh, TrueBlend was kind of the answer to us identifying that we needed a technology that allowed us to control the flex of the skis a little bit better. Um, so it was sort of like knowing the project was was um, at hand and having a technology be the result of, of a need that we'd handed off to the, the research and development department and the engineering team there. So to kind of answer the original question there, which was like, you know, when is it time to, to redo products? It's usually, you know, uh, a few years into a line that like, you know, it's so awesome to be a consumer in, in today's ski industry because there's so many good products out there that people can move around to and try different things. And, and there's so much good product that people have so many options that usually you start to get some indications either from awesome partners like you guys, or you just see it in the sales numbers of like, oh, like people are starting to, to move to the next thing right now. Like, how do we, how do we make this really exciting and solve the, some of the things that you're always aware of things that you can improve in your line. So how do we solve some of those and, and bring that spark back to this line? And how, how does naming 
kind of fall in that because that that's a great kind of segue into that because this is obviously such a new product, mm-hmm. the new rustlers. I mean, did did it creep into your mind like maybe we should we should change the name? Or do you like, no, we're Stan Rustler? Naming sucks, man. It's yeah. so it's so brutal because you have, there's so many skis, especially in the uh, in the Blizzard line, that, that have so much heritage around them. I mean, we have callbacks to, to Firebird skis and, and like things that are, that are historical pillars within the brand there that there's one, a little bit of responsibility to feel like you need to, to have skis that are using that name that live up to that. Or that you heritage. don't want to be the guy that changes the name. Yeah, it likewise. It's you know, <laughs> like the other side, you know, there are people who've worked at this company for 40-something years, and I'm 28 Damn at this it, point. Christian. Like, why are you getting rid of that name? I'm like, well, people are tired of it. Like, it might be time. So it's, it's in the end, like, yeah, you, you did this. You did this to you. Um, in the end, like, it's it's a leap of faith in a lot of ways. Like when you take the the chance to redo a name, because there will always be people that like say when we were just talking about with Boa, like change is scary and you're, you're stepping into the unknown. So whether it was hustle and obviously like we're drafting a little bit off of wrestler uh, with it, with that name, but launching a new name, trying to teach people that there's a line of skis in the blizzard lineup called hustle now. And this is what they are. Or on the other side of things would say the, the front side skis where we placed Quattro with Thunderbird, you're kind of moving in these in these spaces that you need to teach people what new products are, and you're coming from different spaces of whether Quattro was not as successful as we might have hoped. How do you guys even have that name? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thunderbird. No, Quattro. No, Quattro. Yeah, I mean, with Audi, because yeah. it started as a partnership with Audi. Oh, oh really? Yeah, like the launch event was going over to Europe there and actually doing a launch event and driving like um, A fours and and a bunch of fun cars over there with like the launch event because it was at the same time. They were talking about Quattro and kind of like their updated uh, driving technology platform. Mm. Wow. So who, who did that deal? I mean, Frank, of course, got to go on that one as well yeah. as Jed and, and a couple others for sure. They're not going to miss the chance to drive some fun cars That's over there sick. under the guise of launching front side skis. Yeah, <laughs> I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Yep. Well, you guys also have some good legacy names that are no longer being used. Well, I mean, you just said a few earlier, and I, I guess I forgot about, you know, Regulator and Peacemaker. and you Peacemaker. Know. Yeah. <clears throat> I yep. think I'm going to ask you. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, yep. Formula was a <laughs> was funny Alex one. We, special, we, had, uh, we had Formula race boots forever. Now Head's got a formula. Like, oh, did, did we not trademark that? <laughs> oh, my God. They do. Yep. They do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You did. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found that out on a, on a lift ride with uh, with Andrew Cooper Thwaite on Coop. Obviously, their, their program was like, you, you what? That's allowed? Uh, all right. Well, that's on us then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, because you guys still have like like that Cronus, the Argos, mm-hmm. the Answer, Answer. Yeah, I mean those are all awesome names. Unskiable skis, but awesome names. Well, that <laughs> yeah. guy, do you remember the Cronus? The yeah, Cronus yep. was like that was like a. I mean, well, it, it was at the time it was so different. It was such a different feeling ski that like what everything that else was, was, cool ski. was being made. So yep. it was obviously skiing awesome because it didn't ski like anything else. You, you know, know this is sick. You, you know? know what's funny about those series of skis like Cronus, Argos, Answer is they were wide system skis <laughs> people yeah. forget that was a yeah. thing for a minute there we we've dug up some old videos for sure people showing sliding this track in and out of like look no, you can put a a tele binding or an alpine binding like who's putting a tele binding <laughs> on this 118 waisted triple ti 58 meter radius ski like somebody maybe yeah, the iq <laughs> system yeah. yeah you can put a duke on it yep yeah i had a duke on an argos Put a duke on it. That's what you did. <laughs> so much. That's what you did. Or whatever. That's what I'm, you not, did. I'm not paying for this shit. 
Yeah, I gotta got got ask what what is Argos Kronos? What were those? Joseph, Joseph, you're dating yourself. No, we're we're actually dating ourselves. All white skis. Kronos had um, highlighter yellow sidewall. <laughs> Sick fire. Yeah, um, and uh, the Argos was. Uh, bright orange sidewall. The Argos was like the wider version of the Kronos. It was like a, I don't know, like a 29 or 35 meter radius. Good. Argos was maybe. It was high, right? It was between 100, 110 underfoot. Yep. Yeah, and then 50 plus meter radius Fully there. cambered. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 192. George almost died. A JP, yeah. I JP. did. Yeah. So I was our, behind him. I was she like, was not coming around. <laughs> <laughs> so our, our Utah rep, uh, Connor Brown, actually like found one of those at the like Park City Transfer Station uh, a while back. And now he like pulled it out of the, the transfer there and uh, brings it around on his clinics to literally just show like, look how far we've come. <laughs> look what used to be. <laughs> I mean, at the time, it looked really cool. It was cool. It was very cool. I mean, that was like the invention, I think, of clean ski graphics. It was one of the you first. You know, because uh, skis were very loud, very noisy at the time. Mm-hmm. It yeah, was the original clean tri- graphic. There was a lot of tribal going on at that mm-hmm. time, too. Yes. A lot of tribal graphics. And then that was just like a, a clean white ski with, with a pop color. And you're like, damn. Yep. <laughs> Put a duke yep. on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would you ever make it stiffer? Yeah, that's what Sean Wheeler said to do. I want it stiffer and heavier. Put a duke on it. I mean, Brady had one with a duke on it too. Yeah, I don't think he ever used the move. I don't think he ever used the, the duke for its intended, you know, purpose. Obviously, it just it looked at the t- at the time that was like the coolest thing you could do. Yeah, yeah. Why would you ever use the duke though? Well, it was just like well. It, 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 like we're not paying retail for this stuff, you know. Like so, you're like in your mind, like yo, let's just get the, the top. Thing. If everything's yeah. for free, you get the most expensive right. thing you can, the yeah. most expensive thing on the menu. That's <laughs> what we'll take. Yeah, mount it up. <laughs> we used to ski Jester Pros all the time. I, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I need sixteen dead, of course. <laughs> well, Andy would just give us Jester Pros, and we're like, yeah, sick. Yeah, eighteen did. <laughs> yeah, give it to don't me. Even did him. No, we didn't. We definitely didn't. Um. So cool, man. Appreciate you coming down and doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. Um, stoked for you on, on this on this endeavor because you crushed it. You killed well, the collection, you. man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and uh, we do not just say that. Appreciate it. And thank actually, you. you know what? That's kind of a good thing. Like, if you ever hear us, like, not give a compliment, <laughs> typically means we think it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to hurt your feelings. We just don't yeah. say anything. <laughs> it's good to know. I'll remember that yeah. going forward. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah, it's with the rust. Good to see you. <laughs> the rustler flux, dude. No, yeah. it does flux. Yeah, yeah, that's important to note. I mean, it's not DRT anymore. I can see that. Mm-hmm. It's it's flux because these skis definitely flux. It's flux. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they flux do. form, baby. <laughs> flux form technology. Yeah. <laughs> At the very least, more fun to say than DRT. Sounds very Austrian. They definitely yeah. came up with that in Mitterzel. Definitely. Yeah, that was, certainly wasn't a you know a over beers conversation. about like, so the ski flux. Yeah. <laughs> We're going with DRT again? I'm like, ah, no. What, what else is way cooler? Well, flux capacitors are cooler. Yeah. <laughs> They're way cooler. What, what do they think about it? What do the Austrians think about it? This is not an Austrian ski by any means. No, for sure not. I mean, uh, I think anytime they get to see people just being silly, like there's a little bit of like, yep, the Americans at it again silly mentality. American. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, for sure, uh, uh, 114 wasted ski is not, uh, not on the best sellers list in Austria there. So I think anytime that... The ideas are more fun or, or we're just being, you know, silly with it. Like there's 
there's too much of people taking themselves seriously in the ski industry. So like calling things flux form, seeing these skis flux, like that's, that's what in the end, like we're trying to get a little bit more back to than calling things dynamic release technology. It's so much mm. better. Fluxing is so much better. Yeah. I'm never doing DMT again. <laughs> 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 Only once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Let's wrap there. That was awesome. Christian, thanks for coming. Uh, wrap on DMT and Joe and Joseph. Thanks for being on the, on the Boston Ski Party, yes, brother. Thank you. <laughs> Peace, Peace. y'all. Sweet.